All right, who loves a summer barbecue as much as I do? Listen, if you want to impress everyone with some super yummy dishes, you need ButcherBox in your life. ButcherBox is my go-to subscription box that delivers high-quality meat and seafood to your door with free shipping always. And I'm talking high-quality cuts at an amazing value. 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. We are saving so much money every month with ButcherBox over going to the grocery store and buying meat and seafood and saving a lot of time. But get this, last month we saved nearly $200. I also love that ButcherBox curates these tips and recipes that are based on your box so you know what to cook. I made the most amazing steak with a basil sauce the other night. And oh, let me tell you, my friends all raved at how amazing it tasted. I'm definitely going to be pulling that recipe out. If you want great meat and seafood in your life, you need ButcherBox. Sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com etm and use code etm at checkout and enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year, plus get $20 off. Again, that's butcherbox.com etm and use code etm. Hi, NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast will give you practical knowledge you can use to level up your finances. I'm Sean Piles, and every week I sit down with NerdWallet's expert nerds to answer your money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. You'll learn how to manage your investments, understand your credit score and your tax bills, get pro tips for organizing your expenses and putting more money into your savings, and a whole lot more. Weekly financial check-ins with Smart Money can help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about whether you're on track to meet your money goals. You'll get the clarity that you need to make smart money decisions with confidence so you don't lose out on what money can do for you. Plus, we keep our episodes short and sweet so you can get smart about personal finance faster than you can say high-yield savings account. Smart Money is the smartest way to get even smarter about your money. So listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also follow the show to download new episodes as they become available for free. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast soon. Don't think talking about money is a taboo subject. Well, I dare you to bring it up in conversation when you're hanging out with your friends. Watch them quiver in their seats with like sheer terror on their face. Who wants to own up to whatever is going on in our own bank accounts? Most of us really, really do not want to do that. Talk about budgeting. Forget about it. What about how much you spent on your last vacation or the parking ticket you forgot to pay? No way, right? Thanks, Shauna, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to talk to people about money. But what if you could break free from the taboo? What if you could talk about money in a way that didn't make you feel slimy and make you want to slip away? Maybe, just maybe, there's a way to build a strong money foundation and have a sense of freedom about money, a good mindset that empowers you to keep building that foundation. I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we're talking what you may not know about money taboos that might be sabotaging your growth. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton-Game. 
It will expand your brain. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too, and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance, so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. So I had a curious money question from Jordan come in, and I thought that this was such a really interesting Ask Shauna question to not only talk about, but maybe to frame an episode around. And Jordan said, hey, Shauna, love the podcast, been listening for a long time. Thanks for all the different types of money subjects that you always give us each and every week. It makes me really excited to tune into the podcast. I was thinking the other day as I was talking to my friend that there really are these money taboos that you always talk about around money, and they make me not want to talk about money, not with anybody, not with my parents, not with my spouse, not with my coworkers, not with my friends. So I just kind of sit in silence with all of these predetermined notions around money, and you always say that how we think, act, and feel about money really does have some sort of determination over where we're going to go. And I thought, why not do this little experiment and see if I could break down the taboos that I have about money? So I did this over 30 days where I really spent some conscious time thinking about the taboos around money and thinking about how I could have open conversations with people. And I swear to you, I know that you say this over and over and over again, but it's crazy. It actually worked. I was actually able to have conversations around money after I figured out why I thought certain things about money, and I really was able to break down the mindset that I had and even fix some things that I didn't know was broken. And the process, although it was tiring at times, was certainly worth it. Anyway, I guess this is just a long-winded way for me to ask, could you do a podcast episode about the taboos of money? I think this would be a really interesting episode that a lot of people would like to hear. So that's a great question, Jordan, and what a great experiment that you went through. I'd love to know more about your process and what you learned in breaking down your own money taboos. And I think you bring up a good point that we don't spend enough time thinking about these things. So usually when certain patterns in our money keep happening over and over and over again, or you could say this about anything in relationships when you keep getting in the same fight like over and over and over again, it's usually about time for you to pause and think, okay, what's going on? What do I need to fix? What do I need to fix about myself rather than try to fix about the other person? That's definitely a lesson that I've learned in marriage. You cannot change the other person. Only thing you can do is change yourself and hope that that other person then reacts to the change in yourself. But I digress. This isn't a marriage. This isn't a marriage episode. But anyway, I think that it's always a good experiment to spend some time thinking about why certain patterns are emerging in your finances, why you think certain ways. Is that a good thing? Is that a not good thing? Even to think about it without judgment, because I have seen for so many years how the money mindset really does affect outcomes for people. Uh, gosh, I could give you so many different examples. But everything from 
their relationship success to how they grow a business to, you know, I, I, I could just go on and on. The point is I have seen almost every different illustration and every different economic background, every different bank account size where the money mindset and changing some things really proactively can really change your overall thrust of where you're going with your finances. So I thought to start out an episode, it took me a while to think about how did I want to frame an episode like this so it would be somewhat interesting and a little bit different from things that I've talked about. But I thought it would be fun to go a little bit backwards and talk about financial literacy because if we're talking about taboos and we're talking about money mindset, we also have to talk about financial literacy in the country, in the world, and maybe even why or why not certain things have happened that have led to the money taboos. So one of the earliest records of personal finance education came in 1737. Here's a little bit of trivia for you to whip out. Benjamin Franklin was 31 years old, and he had made a name for himself writing, publishing this annual almanac. And in that year's edition, he wrote this column called Hints for Those Who Would Be Rich. Sounds interesting. He should know, right? And he signed off with some financial advice. You may have heard this before. A penny saved is two pence clear. What does that mean? I don't know. You can you can infer the definition from that if you go back to language from the 1700s. Save your pennies. Don't spend them on stupid stuff. You know, the, the, those sort of guidelines around money. But interestingly, while history has quoted Benjamin Franklin with that line, there's actually no evidence of him saying that. But it sounds good. So we're just going to roll with it. We're just going to let him have that little quote. And then if we go and we jump ahead to the 19th century, wasn't doing any better. We can look at our neighbors across the pond, a guy by the name of James Gilbart. He was a manager for uh, London and Country Bank, and he was a personal finance author. That was back in 1849. He published an article that he called 10 Minutes. It was advice about keeping a banker. He talked about the advantages of opening a bank account which I know sounds really revolutionary to us now. Like somebody actually wrote an article about how to open a bank account. That just, that sounds so, uh, so mundane, but it was, it was really revolutionary back then. It was something that wasn't happening. People didn't know how to do these sorts of things. There, there wasn't any information. If you, if you go way back to the 1800s, obviously there were no cell phones, obviously there was no internet, there was newspapers out, but, you know, it was hard to spread the word of financial education. So in the 20th century was really when we began to see financial literacy as a topic that was taught and held in some sort of high esteem. It started to really get the steam engine going of financial literacy and why people needed to know what to do with our money. It sounds, of course, of course you need to know what to do with your money, but people didn't talk about it. So you can start to see how some of these taboos around money started to get framed here because for all of these centuries, we really weren't focused on financial literacy at the core. We weren't focused on talking about these sort of subjects. And I read an article 
there was one act that had a significant impact on financial literacy education. It was called the Smith-Lever Act of 1914. Again, a little bit of trivia for you if you ever want to rip it out at a party. But this act created university programs that conducted research and taught the public useful and practical information about a range of topics, including personal finance. And financial literacy was called so many things back then. You may have heard of your parents or grandparents talking about home ec classes where you would learn to sew, you would learn to cook, you would also learn personal finance, how to balance a check checking account, how to write a check, all of those things. We didn't have ATM cards back then, so it was a little bit more basic. Also, these classes were called family finances. You name it, they had a broad range of names for these types of classes, but the point was is that some of it was being taught and there was an understanding that this was really important to talk about financial literacy or at least to give you some sort of basis for finances. The problem is, is that a lot of those home economics courses went by the wayside. Certainly, 60s, 70s still had some of those courses in different states circulating, but I would say pretty much by the 80s and 90s, those courses were gone unless you went to some sort of prep school or some sort of private school that offered those types of courses. Most of us who had a public high school, junior high school education did not, um, I didn't learn how to cook. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even have driver's ed in my high school. I had to take a separate course that's going to make me sound super, super old. But in California, they really broke that off and you had to pay an outside course to learn how to drive a car. So of course, they're not going to talk to us about financial literacy. And I always say this and sometimes it gets people riled up, which is why I love to talk about this. <laughs> we teach sex ed in high school. You know, those horrible videos that you had to watch, just horrific <laughs> descriptions of having sex. I don't know about you, but we had to do the whole condom on a banana thing in front of classmates, which was just uh, so embarrassing back then to me. I, I was like, okay, I know, I, I know how to do this. I get this. I don't need to put stand up in front of the class and put the condom on the banana. But we all had to do it. Welcome to California. And so we, we're talking, you know, we learn about sex ed, but we don't learn anything about personal finances, which feels very ethically, morally wrong that we're not teaching kids about this. So today there are only five states that require a financial literacy course in high school, Alabama, Missouri, Tennessee, Utah, and Virginia. That's it. Five states that require, now there are other states that teach financial literacy, but it's not required and it's seldom required in college, which to me feels even worse because we've got all this student loan debt and we don't know the first thing about paying off the student loan debt, let alone how we're going to get sustainable jobs, how we're going to pay for the future. It's crazy to me. Okay, so we're beginning to see a reason why talking about money is taboo. We don't teach it hardly anywhere. Our parents 
usually don't know what they're doing, or at least they don't want to admit that they don't know what they're doing. We aren't learning this in college. If we do, we aren't paying attention. Certainly, there are lots of college classes that I probably got an A in that I couldn't tell you anything about. And then we graduate, we get a job, we get some debt, we shrink into our little shells, and we never talk about money again unless we absolutely have to. Or if you're a millennial money listener like you are, then I hope you're always talking about money, even if your family and friends squirm in their seats, they climb in the corner of the room, they break out red because they're so embarrassed. I hope you have those conversations because in my opinion, we aren't talking about money. We're staying oppressed. If we're not talking about a subject, then we're staying where we are. We aren't growing. We aren't pushing forward. We aren't breaking down these taboos about money. You can argue the same thing that's happening right now with the Me Too movement. Whether you agree with that or not, finally women have said this is enough, enough is enough. Even though they've done this in the past, I feel like there's always this resurgence because they're tired of not having equal pay, of not being believed of whatever whatever it is for that woman's personal reason to to share a story women had to speak up so maybe we need to speak up about money too maybe we need to demand more from educational institutions from our government from our society certain from companies just think about it think about all of the money scandals that have happened in the last few years just Take that alone. Probably you could even look back in the last few days because there is always something happening with a company, whether it's the fault of their own, whether it's through hackers, whatever it may be. But these are the companies that you're putting your money with. And a lot of times there's this, I don't know how to say this gently, but there's definitely this conspiracy theory. And I don't know how conspiracy theory it really is or if it actually is reality. But if we keep people oppressed, if we keep them not knowing what to do with their money, not knowing how to pay off debt, if we keep people in this chronic state of living paycheck to paycheck where you just feel so stressed about money that it, it affects everything. It affects your career. It affects your relationships. It affects how you think about life. And then I mean, I could just go on and on and on from here. But if we keep people in this state, if we keep graduating students that don't know anything about money and we keep we keep people down, we don't educate them anywhere about personal finance, even just a little bit about the money mindset, even just a little bit about how to budget, even just a little bit about how to pay off debt. Are the companies benefiting from that? I have to tell you about my new obsession, Notion, our sponsor today. Notion has single-handedly changed how I do life for the better. I use Notion for all my daily journaling so I can keep it all in one spot. I also keep all our favorite recipes that are budget-friendly in Notion so I can easily sort and find the ones I love and easily create fast grocery lists. And okay, one of the best uses of Notion You can create a template for your money dates and track your goals right in Notion. Seriously, Notion is a game changer. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. 
It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but really getting inspired. It's an AI-powered workspace. It turns knowledge into action. You can use Notion to summarize meeting notes and auto-generate action items, get answers to questions in minute, and you can make all of your money tasks so much easier. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, freelance designer, starting a new startup, a student juggling classes and clubs, or just somebody really wanting to get your life together. Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash etm. That's all lowercase letters. Notion.com slash etm and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you're supporting our show. Notion.com slash etm. I know I'm a bit biased, but honestly, I think I have the best dog ever. Her name is Winnie Stardust. She is a golden mountain doodle, and she is full of spunk and fun, and she's never met a ball she does not love. I honestly, I would do anything for Winnie, and she has enriched my life so much. I can confidently say Winnie is absolutely one of the most priceless purchases I have ever made. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. In today's world, we insure a lot, from cars and homes to cell phones and even travel plans. But what about insurance for your cat or dog? With ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. This is what I call smart spending because, let's be real, those vet bills, they can be expensive. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program, they've been around for about 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure your pet's plan is unique as they are. Because vet bills, they can really add up, especially when you are least expecting it. It's simple. You use their app to submit a claim, and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTC Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. So tell me, what are your money goals that you have for this year? Maybe you're like me and endlessly looking for a house to buy and you're focused on saving for a down payment or you're drooling over traveling somewhere tropical this year and you want to save to pay for it, or you're ready to leave your job and build your own business. So you're going to need some startup funds. Whatever your goals are this year, Monarch can help you reach them. In fact, the Wall Street Journal named Monarch the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress towards financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. What I love about Monarch is it's simple and easy, customizable designs. The dashboard can look exactly the way you want it to. I'm also a big fan of creating custom budgets for things like travel. It's one of my favorite money tips. And Monarch lets you do this so easily. This is such a great way to stay motivated when you've got a lot of money goals. 
you can easily track your progress with every dollar that you save or spend. Remember, your brain loves to see progress and you should celebrate it when you're saving money. And honestly, I am so focused on privacy, so I really admire that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties. This means a lot to me and it should mean a lot to you as well. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of the show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. This is Chris Christensen from the Amateur Traveler podcast. The Amateur Traveler podcast is about the love of travel. It's about where to go and why you should go there. We're going to open up to you different destinations you haven't heard of or places you have heard of, but things you didn't know to do while you were there. Each episode is about 45 minutes long, and it's typically an interview with someone who wrote the guidebook on that destination or who has been there or who's a local tour guide or someone who is an expert on that destination and knows how to tell you what to do to get the most out of your precious vacation time. So if you value your vacation time and you want to use it wisely, listen to Amateur Traveler and learn about destinations both domestic and international, places you've heard of and places you haven't. Amateur Traveler has almost 900 episodes talking about different destinations. So if there's a place you want to go, odds are we've already covered it and can help you plan a trip there. Amateur Traveler, subscribe today. Budgeting and saving money is already hard enough, but making sure the money is growing over time is so much harder. And let's get real, with today's cost of living, investing is one of the only ways you can achieve most of your financial goals, especially those milestones like buying your first house. And wouldn't you agree that investing gets even harder when you want to achieve multiple financial goals and they all have different timeframes? But what if you could outsource the investing side and only focus on planning your financial goals out online instead? Emperor Investments, a new goal-oriented investment platform, can help you do just that and is giving Millennial Money listeners a free six-month trial so you can see how big of a difference investing can make. So why should you give them a try? Well, Emperor is more of a lifestyle investment company. This means they understand that investors have different goals and dreams and are committed to helping you achieve all of them. All you have to do is enter the details of your goal and Emperor creates customized portfolios designed to meet your needs. The portfolios are comprised of some of the largest and best known dividend paying U.S. companies and historically outperform the market so you can achieve your goals even faster. You can learn more about Emperor and claim your six-month free trial by visiting emperorinvests.com slash money. Again, that's emperorinvests.com slash my money. Okay, you know what's not smart? Job sites that overwhelm you with tons of the wrong resumes. But you know what is smart? ZipRecruiter.com slash my money. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't wait for candidates to find you. ZipRecruiter finds them for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply. So you get qualified candidates fast. No more sorting through the wrong resumes. No more waiting for the right candidates to apply. 
It's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. This rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over a thousand reviews. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash mymoney. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mymoney, M-Y-M-O-N-E-Y, ZipRecruiter.com slash mymoney. ZipRecruiter, it's just the smartest way to hire. You could probably argue that on both sides of the coin. There are a lot of people out there that are saying that by keeping people oppressed about money and keeping the lack of financial literacy from really pushing forward, certainly in America, that companies are benefiting because they're taking your money and you're having to go to loan places that are charging you a lot of money, credit card companies. Hello, how much interest do they charge? And yet we all have credit cards. We all have, I probably in my wallet right now have seven or eight credit cards sitting there. I know how to use them, but think about the people who don't. Think about if you've ever been in debt. I've been in debt so many times in my life. And every time I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, this company is like financially rewarding themselves for the fact that I'm in debt. Now, I'm a big staunch believer that leveraging money makes sense if the interest rate is low enough that your money might be better served someplace else. It might be better served growing in the opposite direction. So I'm a huge fan of leveraging the right kind of debt. And I do think there is good debt and there is not good debt. And again, I could argue that with people all day long because there are people on both sides of the coin. So whichever way you feel about that, that's great. That's wonderful. That's your personal feelings about debt. And you're more than welcome to have those. And we're more than welcome to have an open conversation, open dialogue about debt too. Think about some of the money scandals. We've got the Target security breach that cost $18.5 million and costs you a sense of safety while you shop because we go to Target about every other day. <laughs> and I'm always worried, petrified that there's going to be another security breach. But you know what? It could happen anywhere. It doesn't have to just happen at Target. And then Navient, the huge student loan servicer. Many of you might have your student loans with Navient. They had that big scandal. They misallocated payments. They were steering struggling borrowers towards certain payment options that were probably not the best for them. There was a lot of hanky-panky going on. And they're probably not alone. There are probably a lot of other companies like that because student loans profit off of you owing the money. It's, it's, it's not a bad thing. I don't want it to sound like it's a bad thing, but certainly when there are these stories that come out, they really make you think. Wells Fargo, I mean, where do I even start with that one? Fake accounts, pushing products on customers they don't need. I mean, seriously, if that doesn't make you want to run to an online bank, I don't know what will, or certainly another bigger brand of bank. I know I keep trying to break free from the big bank that we belong to, and I haven't quite found the right fit for us yet, but it is certainly something I'm salivating over because I'm tired of all this. And not that it couldn't happen at another bank, because it certainly can. Anything can happen to any company. I think that is definitely 
something you need to understand. There is no company that is immune to this, but there's a difference between a security hack that happened possibly and being really ethically and morally wrong about how you treat people who owe you money. There's a there's a difference there for me. So I get it. You know, when money is confusing, there's a scandal after scandal. Life is expensive. You get in money fights when you talk about money. Why would you consider it? Except again, if we go back to if we don't talk about money, we're staying where we're at. Those taboos are staying exactly where they are. And that's not good for us. And it's not good for those that follow us, for our kids and our kids' kids. We need to break down these taboos and we need to be able to have these conversations about money. And you're already beginning the conversation. But I encourage you today to just keep doing it. Listen to more podcasts. Some of my favorite podcasts about money are many of the people that I've featured on this podcast. So Money with Farnoosh Tarabi, great podcast. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel, we've had her on a couple of different episodes. She is a fellow CFP. She's just brilliant. I love her. Invested with Danielle Town, we had her on the podcast. Amazing book that she wrote with her dad, Phil Town. Highly, highly, highly suggest it. It is on my nightstand and I read it back as often as I can. Smart Passive Income with Pat Flynn. Work Your Wealth with Mary Beth Storjahan, another CFP that is just brilliant. And of course, I always want you to continue listening to this podcast and totally appreciate that you do. And there are tons of articles about personal finance. You can pick out what works for you, throw out whatever in the article doesn't fit, whether it's a blog or a paper like the New York Times or Wall Street Journal, there are tons of places that you can go where you can find out about pieces of financial literacy or your finances that you don't understand. You could take a financial literacy course, an area that you're weak in, But my best, best, best advice, how to break these money taboos, pick a goal you want to achieve, figure out financially how you can achieve that goal by incorporating it on your money plan each month. So let's just say that you wanted to save $5,000 for a vacation next summer. Great. Figure out how to save $550 a month. Until then, put it in a high yield savings account so you're earning extra interest. Make it happen. Then talk about it with your friends. Tell them your plan. Tell them what you're doing. Show them how you're doing it. Open up the dialogue around money in a way that is approachable because you were able to achieve a goal. You took action. You implemented it. You stayed on course. That, my friends, that is breaking the money taboos. And then when you go out and you talk about it to your friends or to your family and you show them what you did, you show them how you did this. That's how you keep this thing growing. That's how you help other people break down these taboos. So how do we break down the taboos about money? We talk about them with people that we're scared to talk about them with. And for most of us, from what I've seen talking to so many different people, that's usually the people that are closest to us, our boyfriend, our girlfriend, or our spouse. No joke. I'm not lying totally serious about this. And we probably would rather talk about it with our friends way before our significant other. But that's not great because that, again, is keeping the taboo alive and the flame stoked. So if you're nervous about having a conversation with 
somebody close to you, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your spouse, I'm really going to encourage you. That is one of the best way to break down the taboos about money. Not to get all women's empowerment on you here, but really, if you remember, until the Equal Credit Opportunity Act in 1974, women were not able to apply for credit. Can you believe that? That's crazy. That wasn't that long ago. So the taboos about money, they still exist. We're coming a long way. We've come a long way from way back, Benjamin Franklin in 1737. More and more states are coming on board with financial literacy. There is definitely a movement. Look at all the financial podcasts. Look at all the financial blogs. Look at all of the articles about money. There's definitely a thrust behind the movement trying to get people to understand how important not only are the tips and strategies about money, but also are the mindset piece of these taboos, of this crappy load of baggage that we bring along with us throughout life. And we just keep carrying it until one day we decide we can't carry this thing anymore. We got to figure this stuff out. And when you start figuring out, if you go back to our friend Jordan and ask Shauna question, when you start figuring this stuff out, it really is like magic. Stuff starts happening in your finances that will blow your mind. And I know this sounds crazy to think about if you've never had this experience, but it really is true. Maybe new opportunities open up for you. Maybe you're able to see something in your spending that you couldn't see before. Maybe you're able to think about a different money system that you've never been able to think about before. Maybe you're just even encouraged to use an app to track your spending and your budgeting. Or maybe you just simply start with setting a goal around your money and figuring out how the heck you're actually going to achieve it. But the taboos, once they start to fall away, it's like you start to get in your sweet spot. It really is. So let's keep going. Let's officially break the taboo about talking about money, the good, the bad, and all of that in between. So you can proactively meet your money goals. There is nothing more that I want for you. There's nothing more than I want for you to get out of this podcast is to be able to set a goal, to be able to smash through it, to see that you can do it, to teach somebody else how you can do it, and to keep growing. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Millennial Money. I'll be back on Friday with a fresh episode for you to check out. But in the meantime, if you love this episode and you found value in the content we share with you, I totally appreciate it. If you do me a favor, head on over to iTunes, rate and review the podcast. I promise to be your BFF for life. 